Hi, welcome to a podcast with a nebulous concept, questionable cast, and uh, maybe someday a name. Let's get right into it. Yeah, so is this, this is recording already. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so we started this mentorship program and my mentor is actually my director, which is great because I basically want his job in about eight to 10 years or however long it takes to get down there. And I told him a lot of reasons why that is. I was saying that it lets me make some meaningful change in the company. It also allows me to uh, really have the influence over the process and the procedures and the growth and share the information that I've accumulated over about 12 years of professional consulting onto my team so that I can uh, so that I can engage my team and also give them the tools so that they can do their best work. Nice. And so... Uh, as part of that, I was telling him a little bit about the the project, like the training that we were doing for life coaching. Um, and one of the things that really stuck out and kind of got the juices flowing was telling him about how we kind of gamified the process. And a lot of it comes from a blog post. And I realized we never talked about this on one of these recordings. So when we were doing the Nice Guys Finish First project, what we were doing uh, was we set it up kind of like an RPG, right? You get a lot of socially awkward video game nerds, games. That's what connects with them. So when you're starting an RPG, you start off as level one, and you're given your first quest, go kill 100 rats. And it's boring, it's tedious, but you know that at the end of it, you'll be level two and have more opportunities available to you with greater rewards, so the way that we structured it was actually, all right, go talk to 100 random people. All you have to do is say hi. It has to be deliberate. They can tell you, they, they can say hi. It can turn into a conversation. Great. They can uh, tell you to go jump off a bridge. That's okay too. The point is that you put yourself out there and were deliberate in trying to do something different, Right. Because all confidence is, is social competence. You're unconfident in your ability to communicate with people because you're just not used to it. Or you're only used to communicating with people who are in your wheelhouse. So in this process, we didn't want to give people advice that we never took ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we went out and started talking to 100 random people. And it was crazy because... Emphasis on people. <laughs> Yeah, not, not girls, people. I, I want to be very clear. Like we talked to everybody. We talked to guys. We talked to girls. We talked to grandmas. Like it was a lot. Sixth uh, person was a grandma, and that was actually the way that you were able to staple that into my head. Going, okay, now talk to that pretty girl. Her name was Emily. Uh, go talk to uh, yeah. my thirteenth approach. I always had that really good story, but you helped me see that. that. Where it's like, go talk to the go talk to her the same way you talk to grandma. Like. Oh, okay. And then it was easier for me to frame it that way. And it also helped us understand that we could help us frame it for guys too, other guys, but frame it that way. Yeah. What's funny is I actually used another example when I was talking to my director today, I was like, yeah, confidence is just social confidence. Like when you're talking to a stranger, I don't know, like some people are trying to figure out what the hell they do with their hands. And it's like, (laughs) where where do you put your hands 
when you're talking to your friends, they're like, oh, it's just like down on my side. That's where you put them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense, I guess. You'll shimmy them from your face during the whole conversation? Why Start not? doing jazz hands. <laughs> just, just stand there doing jazz hands. You're like, hi, what's yeah. up? Jazz hands make every conversation better. Jazz hands make every conversation terrible. Do you just do this to your friends? Yes, we're friends now. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I promise I'm not a stalker. Yeah. I just uh, really love jazz hands. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but go ahead. Once you get out of that element, you're broadening your horizons. How do you do that? So when Mitch and I set this up, we were saying, okay, uh, you got to go out, you got to say hi to 100 random people. Um, there's a few rules with it. I'm trying to remember all of the rules, and I'll call on you, Mitch, if I start forgetting them. But one of the rules was that it had to be deliberate. You couldn't be walking in one direction and somebody's walking in the other direction and you say hi, they say hi back, and you continue walking because that's not pushing you out of your comfort zone. That's not being deliberate. That's being very passive, actually. So if you're walking and the other person's walking, you have to stop them and say hi, or you can walk with them, but you can't do the little drive-by thing. Uh, rule number two, people who are working don't count. And the reason for this is really because they're kind of being paid to be nice to you right? They're, they're not doing it out of any sort of social obligation or interest in you. They're doing it like, oh, you're a customer in the store. Of course, I'm going to say hi to you. I'm going to say hi to every customer in the store. Uh, and so you can use that as a way to warm up to people, uh, warm up to approaching for the day. And Christian was a really good example of that. When he went out with us, uh, he would do that. He was like, all right, I'm really nervous. I'm going to go say hi to this person in this store. I'm going to go say hi to this person in this store. And then after a couple people uh, in stores, he would go out and he would actually start approaching and talking to people and it worked really well for him. They're really good buffers. Mm -hmm. uh, the third rule is couples. If you're approaching a couple, talk to the guy first before you talk to the woman. Now, the one thing that I want to say about this is a lot of this kind of comes from a very heteronormative view and from a male point of view. So for women, this would change. Uh, we also wanted to keep it that way because the world is very different for women than it is for men. And as men, we don't really have that perspective. So we don't want to, while well, this advice could be useful for everybody, we don't want to accidentally misstep and give women advice that could be dangerous for them when it would be totally normal for us. Uh, I know that there's a lot of female friends I've had where if they go and say hi to just the wrong person, they have a stalker for the rest of the night. And so oh my God. a lot of this, I'm sure you can probably relate to that too, Cammie. Uh, or at least you have some friends that could. I've, yeah, it's a major problem. Exactly. So that's why a lot of our stuff is really just kind of from a guy's perspective. <clears throat> But the one thing that we found, and sorry to interject, Gavin, but just to help make your point, with Misha, we found that if if you are going to approach a group, um, a lot of the times, whichever sex you are, approach that sex. Approach that sex. Yeah, if you're a guy, approach, that approach sex. the guys. If you're a girl, approach the girls. It's uh, it's it's an easier way in. But also, we found and. Jealousy uh, is a thing. There you go. Yep. I'll keep going, Gavin. You're yeah. doing good. Je jealousy is a thing. So if I, as a guy, start approaching a couple and I'm talking to the girl first, 
I'll put it another way. If somebody comes and starts talking to my girlfriend, if a guy comes and starts talking to my girlfriend before talking to or acknowledging me, he's got about five seconds before I deck him in the face. Like, I'm not the jealous type, but I'm using that as an example. Yeah. Some guys uh, are like that. Yeah. Some guys are like that. Uh, and then likewise, when Mitch brought up Misha, uh, what happened was she was talking to the guy and the guy is talking to Misha, the girlfriend staring at the guy with dagger eyes. So approach the same sex that you are, the same gender that you are, uh, just to kind of mitigate any of that confusion. Uh, the fourth rule is families. Don't approach families. It's just weird. Uh, the fifth rule, if you're approaching a group, you have to say hi to everybody in the group or only the people that you say hi to count. So if you approach a group of four, but you're only talking to one person, then that's one. Uh, the point is to be deliberate and communicate with as everybody and keep yourself honest. Um, I think that's it. Are there any other rules that I was forgetting on that, Mitch? I think, I, to be honest, but I think you hit them all. Um, yeah. It's been a while to, since I've had to rattle them all off, so. Yeah. Um, if any of them other come up, I might come, I'll, I'll, I'll chime in, but I think you got them all, man. Awesome. So. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, it got to 100 people, though, man, and we. And then we were trying once, to figure out what level two was going to be. And that's yeah. where we decided level two was going to be uh, have 50 Five minute conversations. Five minute conversations. Five, mm -hmm. five or 10 minute conversations. And the reason for this is because, all right, now you're out of the, um, the approach jitters. Now you can have a conversation. And so what it does is it, the reason why it was only five or 10 minutes is because it sounds short, but what it does is allow you an opportunity to kind of remember and digest how the conversation went and mm -hmm. kind of be introspective on what you need to work on in terms of the conversation. So that's kind of where I was, I was telling my director a lot of this stuff too. And I was like, that's where I came up with the hands example. Like, what do I do with my hands? Like I'm, I'm talking to people for five minutes and I just have my hands out and I'm T posing like cyberpunk 2077. And it's like, uh, yeah, no. All right, cool. You found an opportunity to improve. You don't know what to do with your hands. Now you can work on that. Or uh, something that I struggled with was I could only go 50% into a conversation. So if I was talking to somebody who was very unresponsive, I struggled a lot. So I'd go up and I'd talk to somebody and then I'd wind up like, oh, what kind of like, do you like music? Yes. What kind of music do you like? Oh, anything. Okay. Like, like what, what kind? Oh, anything. So polka? <laughs> talking French, French experimental synthwave, like what's going like on? Who's like jingles? <laughs> yeah. Um, Do you know who the Beatles are? <laughs> but because that was a sticking point for me for a while, and I noticed that Mitch didn't have that same problem, I kind of watched him as he was in conversations, and I noticed when people would kind of shut down, he would say more about himself, which was also hard for me. And so after a while, it got a lot easier. And it's like, oh, do you like music? Yes. What kind of music do you like? Oh, anything. Like, 
see, I like EDM because I listen to this and this and this and this, and this is like, this makes me want to dance. And sometimes I'll listen to rock and I went to this rock concert over here and da 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 da. And then eventually something will catch. Either they get tired of you talking and they're like, all right, fine. I like polka. You caught me. Or <laughs> they'll relate to what you're saying. I remember when I was in the fraternity, uh, I had people who were interviewing with me. So what I did was I gave them a couple blog posts. One of the blog posts was actually from Nerd Fitness, and that's where we got the whole idea of the, like, go out, kill 100 rats. Uh, another one was uh, a blog post that I had written. And so I would give them, pick two of these four, and then they would read two of them, and then I would meet them up for... Uh, an interview and I want to be respectful of their time. So I'm like, all right, it's only going to be an hour, but what did you think of the blog post? Let's talk a little bit. And then I would walk over to the MU or over to the business buildings and be like, do you know what we're going to do today? I'm like, no, we're going to go out and talk to people. I'm in an engineering fraternity. Engineers don't like to talk to people. And on top of it, I'm at the, the cafeteria area and I'm at the business school where all the pretty people are. So now you're just kind of up in the ante. But it was really interesting because uh, I struggle leading in these contexts simply because I'm also a nervous person. So sometimes I would hide behind Mitch when we went out, but I, I needed to push myself outside of that if I was going to be a life coach and pursue this passion. So it was scary because the first interview that I had with, was with somebody named Taylor and he was a very good looking guy but also incredibly nervous around people. And so it was, uh, it was really eye-opening for him because we would go out and we would have conversation. We, we would go out and just talk to people, say hi, have short conversations. And the whole time he's like, holy shit, like you make it seem so easy. I was like, it is easy. It feels weird. That feeling of weirdness never went away for me, but you get more used to it. And so he had a whole bunch of his assumptions. He was like, you know what? I always think it's just weird. Like if you go up and you talk to like a pretty girl or you talk to like this kind of person, I always just feel like that's really weird. And I'm like, maybe let's go find out. And right when I said that, we turned the corner there were these two women having lunch over in the business college. And so I just approached them and said, hey, ladies, like help settle a dispute for us. Uh, we're talking about whether or not it's weird to go up and talk to somebody just like this, like just a random person. Uh, and both of them said, no, not really, as long as you're clean and not weird. And that was a moment, he still talks about it to this day to people. Like that was a real eye-opener for him because he's like, you mean I've been holding myself back this entire time? I'm like, yeah, we all have. Yep. Yep. We all have. I guess the, the analogy that I always think of is uh, you. Th I don't know where I heard this. It probably is from somebody somewhere. Maybe it was even you, Gavin. I don't know. But, if it's about um, an elephant, it's from me. If it's about a what? <laughs> if it's about an elephant, it's from me. If it's about an elephant. Um, so I'm. everybody always thinks that the barrier or the, the boundary is there. And then when you step over it, like all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I always thought it was here. And then it actually ends up being across the fucking room. Like mm -hmm. every single time you step over the boundary, it goes even a little farther. You're like, Oh, I can do this now. Socially, this is where I, I get, I want to see where it can go. And Gavin sometimes already knew where it was going to go. <laughs> he 
<laughs> you, yeah, you like to experiment for sure. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, there's been times again where I would say shit to people, um, and it would offend them. <laughs> Uh, that wasn't really more of me being malicious. Like, let me just throw this out there and see what happens. Um, that I more pushed towards Gavin. <laughs> um, <laughs> that reminds me of something that we found out is that there were certain crutches that we would have. Uh, mm. one of the, one of the easiest ones was just talking about the project. Like, Hey, I'm out here just talking to people to write a book. But then we wound yeah. up using that so often that it wasn't, pushing us outside of that comfort zone anymore. And so we told ourselves, like, we're not going to use that anymore. If you use that, the approach doesn't count because that's too easy. That's too much of a crutch. Another crutch that we outlawed was, uh, hey, I'm nervous. And we outlawed that for two reasons. One, <laughs> when funny. we were first doing it, it actually worked really well. And it was something that Mitch found out. Like, he, he went up and talked to really intimidating women. And he was like, hey, sorry, I'm just really nervous. And he'd like hold out his hand and it's kind of shaking. And she's like, oh, that's that's very sweet and endearing. After a while, he got really comfortable. And so he would just throw that out there. And he's like, look, I'm nervous. Then he would hold out his hand and shake it. And the girl's like, now you're full of shit. You're trying to run a line on me. I don't know what your game is, but I'm not playing. So it didn't work anymore. It backfired a lot. Uh, So we said, no, that's that's a crutch. We can't use that anymore. Uh, I don't think I ever used it to be honest. No, I've, I've used it like three times, but it was because I had nothing else to say. I was like, ah, eh, ah, I, I'm sorry. I'm just really nervous. I have no idea what to say. I'm pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. Da, 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 da. Um, <laughs> there were a couple, there were a couple of those crutches that we, we decided like we can't use anymore. Uh, and that's another thing that I would encourage anybody that wants to kind of follow in this path. Like if you have a crutch or, uh, the same approach that you do every single time, just because it's easy, don't do that. Uh, because what it does is it's kind of like doing the, it's kind of like doing a pull up the wrong way where, yeah, okay. You're technically getting over the bar but you're not building the muscle where you need to build the muscle. That's a good analogy. And so well it's hurting you. In the end. You're only cheating yourself is really what it comes down to. Um, so the thing about the elephant and why I mentioned that, because uh, you were talking about like there's a, a barrier and you step over it and you're like, oh no, the barriers are all the way across the room. Mm. The story that comes to my mind is uh, actually a, uh, Oh, from a circus. Yeah. It's, Uh it's basically this guy visits a circus and there's an elephant chained up with a tiny, tiny rope. And he's talking to the guy and he's like, how does that rope keep the elephant in place? Because if it just sneezes wrong, it's going to break that rope. And so the guy tells him, well, the way that it works is when we get the baby elephants, we tie them up with that same rope. And they can't break it. They're not big enough. They're not strong enough to break it. So they try and try and they can't break it. As they get older, they know they can't break the rope. So they don't even try. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I feel about a lot of life experiences where we grow up knowing or learning this, this learned helplessness that, oh, I can't do that because of this. 
And so we don't even try. And we've, we've already built in a mental block to prevent us from doing a certain thing. Um, and it's really interesting, especially from like a, a childhood psychology point of view, because a lot of like 98% of your moral decisions are made by the age of six. Like a lot of who you are is made set in stone by the age of six. And then the rest of your life is just growing into that. And so when you look at kids in kindergarten, you're like, who's the fastest? They raise, they all raise their hand. I am. Who's the smartest? They all raise their hand. I am. Who's the strongest? They all raise their hand. I am. You get to second grade. Who's the fastest? He is. Who's the smartest? She is. Who's the strongest? He is. Mm. And so you learn this at such a young age that you're like, yeah, I, I don't even need to try that. This is why it's really interesting, like how people self-identify. Uh, because especially with intellectuals, they they get the idea of like, I'm the smart guy. Like that's that's my thing. That's my shtick, right? Mm-hmm. I'm the smartest guy in school. And mm-hmm. then they pass their tests, they get into Harvard or MIT or Yale and they show up and they're like, I'm the smartest guy. I was the smartest guy in high school. It's like, yeah, no shit. We all were. It's like, well, I was also the class president. Yeah, no shit. We all were. Uh Oh, Oh, I'm not special anymore. Uh And that really messes with your head. So it's interesting. There was a study and I've brought it up on here before where it's basically, if you look at, uh, the school performance or like SAT scores, you have the top third, the middle third and the bottom third in the top third, uh, specifically for STEM degrees is what this study was for. Uh, most of the people graduate with a STEM degree in the bottom third, 25 to 50% like don't graduate with a STEM degree or something to that so, effect. But so that's on, true so for STEM, a state school, a STEM degree. Yeah, uh, STEM is science, science technology, technology, engineering, engineering and math. And, and, and say again, what were the percentages? Uh, if you split SAT scores up into thirds, so top okay. third, middle third, bottom third, who get accepted into a school, the top third almost always graduates with a, a STEM degree. The bottom third, if they're going for a STEM degree, like a lot of them will switch majors or they'll just drop out. And the so... Bottom. I think it was uh, I think it was like twenty five percent twenty five to fifty percent will switch majors or drop out, or or something to that effect. Um, so basically, the question is: Does it make more sense? Will you be more successful? As in, will you graduate with a STEM degree if you are in the top third of the SAT scores at a state school, or if you're in the bottom third of the SAT scores at MIT? And it's this this issue uh, or the situation called like a uh, big fish in a little pond where it's basically once you branch out of being the smartest kid in school, and now you're surrounded by the smartest kids in school, some of whom may be smarter than you. It really starts to mess with your psyche because that was your identity. I'm the smart kid. It's like, well, not anymore. And if the, the defining characteristic you had was like, you're the smart person, it really starts to weigh on you. Um, and it's interesting because it's a whole thing about, I think it was when Brandon was leading the podcast, we were talking about the education system. I was talking about like the way that we treat gifted students where they develop this identity. And then there are many different forms of gifted, but we only acknowledge one, or we have an, a conceptual idea of one form of gifted. 
So if that person is gifted in one of the other different forms, we put them in the gifted program and they struggle, it's, oh, you're, you're not gifted. Or, oh, you're, you're not as smart as we thought. And that really starts to weigh on people. So it's really interesting. There's a whole bunch of stuff behind it. I don't have those details. Uh, but a, a lot of it's just perspective. Like, how do you see yourself and how do you see those around you? And what's interesting too, and I noticed that when Mitch and I were going out and we became a lot more socially comfortable, it kind of felt like superpowers. Mm. Like you remember when, uh, so one of the things we would do is just kind of like an icebreaker to, to kind of get the nervousness out is we would stop by the Microsoft store and we would play Just Dance. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just gone. Your, I know, I know. <clears throat> what there, it's gone. But it's fine. Uh, so, Is it? What? It's not fine. <laughs> you okay, Brandon? No, well, that's the reason why I go to that place and it's gone. <laughs> so it's like, like whenever I go to the little dance. Say, <laughs> yeah, when they say, when we go to small, it's like, okay, you can do whatever you want. I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And oh, I don't have that identity anymore. It's gone. Shane's like, Brandon, we're going to the mall. We're going to buy clothes. You're like, all right, but we're stopping by Microsoft store and playing just dance. Okay, fine. Uh, Actually, Brandon was more like, you go buy the clothes. I'll be at just dance. Yeah. You know where I am. I don't care where you are. Just get me before you leave. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Closing time. The mall's closed. Brandon's sitting outside. He's like crying. Like, can somebody call my Shan? I need to go home. <laughs> my phone's dead. Oh, I left it. I didn't think about this. I just wanted to dance. I was just too excited. Yeah. Uh, is this a hypothetical or is this like? Oh, this is this know. is us dicking around. I'm That's get Brandon in the parallel universe. I'm not that yeah. guy, but there is okay. a Brandon out there that had that life. Okay. This, yeah. this was a bit. Uh, but yeah, so when Mitch and I met up with, what was, ah, oh crap, what was their names? It was Chris and what was the other guy's name? Devin. They were us a year prior. Chris and Devin. Chris and Devin. It was Devin? Yeah, yeah, it was Devin. Um, so Chris and Devin, uh, we were hanging out with them, and they, you, you don't really see your own loading bar. You don't, like, realize how much progress you've made until you have something to compare it against. Uh, and so Chris and Devin were really interesting because I went up and approached them. Uh, Devin had a, a Beartooth T-shirt on, and I had gone seeing a Beartooth concert, like, the week before. And oh, what? Yeah, Beartooth, uh, it's a, a rock band. But I was talking to him, and it, the conversation just kind of moved to like, so like, what brings you to the mall? And he's like, oh, we're out here hitting on girls. Us too. Actually, we're, talk- we're, we're out here talking to people, and that's like what our goal is. But yeah, let's, uh, let's join up, and then all four of us can go out and talk to people. And it worked really well because they were exactly where we were a year before kind of starting out, like uh, getting some experience, just breaking out of those, those nervousness jitters. Uh, But one of the things, and this was, I'm never going to forget this because one of the things that we did was we stopped by the Microsoft store and we played chess dance. It was all four of us. I had to coax Devin into playing because Chris was kind of like Mitch. Chris just went for it. No shit's given. 
just, all right, whatever. I'm going to go talk to that person. Done. And he leaves. Uh, Devin was a little bit nervous. And I noticed that he would physically hide behind one of us sometimes. So Devin was a lot like me. Uh, but when we got to play chess dance, Devin's like, oh, I'm just going to watch. I was like, no, like you're going to, you're going to do this with us. All four of us are going to do this. So I convinced him to do it. And we were dancing to walk this way by run DMC. And by the time we finished, people are clapping. We're like, what the heck? There were people behind us. There were people off to the side that were just watching us dance. Like it was choreographed. There were people up on the second floor looking down, watching us. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was really cool. And they're all just clapping like, holy shit, that was awesome. Like, that's so cool. Like, good on you guys for having the courage to do that out in public. And that's what I'm talking about, where you start feeling like you have superpowers. You're like, holy shit, like people are gravitating towards us. People are noticing, like people want to hang out with us, like people see us in this way that they don't see themselves. That's really cool. Uh, another, another, if mm-hmm. I could yeah, swing real fast. Keep, no, keep your, uh, keep your thought real fast. Cause I love where your track is at. I just want to add a couple of things is um, we had to kind of also come up with a little bit more in the best way. Again, games. Um, <clears throat> so we had to come up with games to help build our social skills too. And also one of the things that Gavin struggled with and he had trouble bringing in was uh, he had trouble building a curiosity in people. He's just like, sometimes dude, I just don't want to go talk to people because there just doesn't like, that doesn't interest me. <laughs> and I'm just like, well then here, like fight, like build a curiosity in them. And he's just like, but I'm not really curious. And so we had to come up with ways to maybe have time to sit there and, and, and build a curiosity for people. So I think one day we went to, uh, went to Lux we sat down and we were like, Hey man, let's play a game. I don't know if I came up with it. I think I probably came up with it, but I was just like, let's play this game real quick. How about we sit here and you will pick a subject. Don't stare at them too much, but just sit here and we'll talk and whatever. And we'll come up with 10 assumptions. <clears throat> about this person just based solely on what we can see. Okay. You know, body posture, you know, clothes, uh, grooming, like, you know, what is he, what is, how, like, what is he working on? What is he, what is he doing? Um, and so we came up with 10 assumptions. Well, the funny thing is, is that when you come up with some assumptions, you actually kind of want to know if you're right, <laughs> which then helps you build a curiosity in a person that you're like, you know what? I kind of want to know this guy's name now. We've just been sitting here and talking about this guy for 10 minutes. So we go up to him. And again, I'm the guy that kind of breaks the social barrier. I, because I'm, I'm like, I want to see how this goes. You know, if it goes and blows in my face, then I don't ever do it again. <laughs> or maybe I just, you know, best two out of three. Maybe he was an asshole and, and he didn't take it well. And then I'll go up to the next person and it blows in my face. And then sometimes I'm like, well, maybe three out of five. <laughs> Eventually I get it. <laughs> but this time I was like, you know what? Let's go up and actually tell him what we're doing. Cause I wanted to know how people would react to that. So we go up to the guy. I don't know. Gavin, do you remember this guy was kind of like a, kind of like a nerdy gamer guy, probably in his like, you know, late we, 30s. We talked to like 500 and something people, Mitch, you're going to have to narrow it down. <laughs> Sometimes I'm a little bit more detail oriented when it comes to field folks. Um, you also have so a lot yeah. better memory than I do. Uh, true. Very true. Um, uh, yeah, but for good reason. <laughs> Um, what was I talking about? See, you're talking about better memory, right? Uh, oh, the guy. We were going through his uh, ten assumptions. We go up to him. We talk to him. And we're like, "Hey, uh, so 
me and our friend are kind of trying to build our like again we just use that we're just like we're trying to build our social curiosity and people we chose you for our little experiment we actually wanted to uh, see if we were right what i actually found out because we did this like three or four times in that in that one little outing um we actually found out that people are actually um curious about how they're being perceived and so they're like yeah yeah lay it on me and, and none of it was bad, but it was just like, we're probably saying you're probably, and we just come up with like, we're probably thinking like your age. You probably think that you're got a uh, couple stories on this one now. Yeah. You got, you know what I'm saying? Like, so we actually ended up talking uh, for a bit uh, and finding out things about people. And that actually helped build our curiosity to where it helped build that little muscle to where I, if maybe we sat there for 10 minutes and, and maybe dissected for 10 things, but then maybe like you don't need to sit there for 10 minutes. Maybe you could sit there for one minute and look at a person, come up with two things that you're curious about. Now, now you have enough curiosity to walk over and ask them, Hey, how's it going? Good. You know, I'm Gavin, you know, I'm Amy, Amy, nice to meet you. What, why did you dye your hair red? I, what, 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 why that? I just, I love it. It's beautiful. Why red? And then that's it. Off you go. You know what I mean? One, uh, so, so one, that was exactly how we conversed with Evie when I first met her. Uh, and then we wound up dating for a while, but, uh, one of those examples that really stand out to me, we were over at Lux and I was just kind of sitting in the corner and you wound up talking to somebody else. And I'm like, all right, I got to find somebody to look at and just try and come up with some assumption. And there's this lady, she was sitting in an armchair over in the corner and it was interesting because I'm watching her. She's typing on her laptop. She'll stop. She'll look up. She'll look back at her laptop, click a couple things look off to the side, uh, type a, a little bit more, and she would keep doing this. And so I'm, I'm watching her. And I'm like, okay, so she's not writing anything. She has to be researching something, but it has to be something creative because otherwise she'd just keep reading her screen. So I came up with a story. I was like, okay, maybe it's a book. Maybe it's... Uh, a lifelong dream of hers to publish a book and she's finally getting started, but getting started writing is really hard. And so she's got this writer's block or doesn't know how to start. And so she's typed in the word V deleted it, typed it again, six times, changed the font, changed the format of the whole thing, opened up a new tab, closed that same tab before typing anything else in and isn't really sure what to do with herself. So I went up and talked to her. I was saying like, hey, excuse me, this is going to sound a little weird. I like people watching. Uh, but I noticed, I see that you're typing on your screen and you keep looking off to the side. So I came up with a little bit of a story and here's what I have. And she liked it because it turns out she was writing a book. And that book was actually, I think it was, uh, it was about Native Americans. I can't remember if it was supposed to be uh, a fictional or uh, a very like esoteric form of nonfiction but that's what she was doing she was like researching a thing found a bunch of pictures was trying to figure out okay is this what i'm looking for or do i need to take this in a different direction and she was really she was really glad that i went up and talked to her because it kind of allowed her to talk about her process out loud and think about what it was she was even trying to do in the first place plus it was just cool to see like somebody who notices you yeah and what mitch was saying like people want to hear about themselves like she was really drawn to that 
it was uh I, th- I think i remember man because the next person i go talk to was ended up being uh a kind of a pretty girl and i ended up telling her about my uh my purgatory idea the book that i'll like you know what i'm talking about and i told her about that the book idea and she, we started having this conversation whatever and that's when i think gavin went off and did his thing and taught the the and she's been she was actually a frequent seer because i remember you we would always see her after that um and sometimes you would even say hi uh and it was funny because you come back over a big old smile on your face after i was almost done talking to her and i'm like what's up you're like this is fun (laughs) (laughs) hey i have an exciting knowledge check okay it's actually a story that involves gavin and it kind of follow, uh, follows what you guys are talking about, because it's when we met, so well when I met someone for the first time, and I noticed I actually do have those where if I notice something interesting about a person, oh. I kind of just bring it up in the conversation. You're talking about me. So, Woo! <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> yes, I was actually leading to when I met Fishnet for the first time mm-hmm. at school. She was wearing purple with black fishnet. And I saw that. I was like, ooh, my favorite color. And ooh, fishnet. That's exciting. So I went up and I talked to her. I was like, oh, I love that purple shirt. And fishnet. She's like, yeah. You know, uh, she she likes fishnets and, you know, it's one of her favorite colors. So I was like, oh, okay, exciting. And I start asking about what her degree is and whatnot. And I realized that may not sound like a lot of time. But after that moment, that's when you showed up. <laughs> and here, uh, I thought, yeah, so that's how the conversation started. I showed up. I thought Brandon and May were friends because I'd seen her around campus before. I think she was doing GSP, right? Uh, no, she was, well, she talked about uh, robotics. So I think she was some kind of engineer. Okay. Yeah, so... Brandon's talking to this girl, Fishnets. I've never met her before, but I've seen her around campus. So I was like, oh, Brandon's friends with her. So I'm like talking and I noticed Brandon standing close to her and just like all these other nonverbals. So I was like, oh, maybe, maybe Brandon's trying to hit it. Let me wingman him. And so I'm talking, I'm talking Brandon up the entire time. And she's enjoying the conversation. She's just like loving actually yeah. talking to people. And then she had to go off to class or something like that. And I'm like, yeah. Like, I can just imagine I'm from her perspective, you... she's just like, he's really, really loves his friend. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, so I was trying to talk Brandon up. And uh, after that, I was like, yeah, so, like, how'd you meet this girl? Like, she seems pretty cool. And he's like, oh, no, I just talked to her, like, five minutes before you showed up. I'm like. Oh god damn it, I could have hit on her the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> so but yeah, I'm not gonna stop you from flattering me. I was like, oh go on. Yes, yes. Wait. <laughs> tell me more about myself. <laughs> yeah. I never get to see this side of you, Gavin. <laughs> you become my favorite way. class uh uh favorite classmate for whatever class we have next. So which I think but was actually I network design, and so that kind of holds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, staying up like super late the day before a big presentation—not the best idea, but it was kind of it was pretty fun. Yeah, that was the first time I went to your place. 
Yeah. So my mom, my mom was out of town. We had a, a big presentation for a network design project the next day. It was, uh, was Mark there too? Yes, was the you, three of us. It was you, me, and Mark. We were all on the same yes. team. And then Sam came over. Sam was on Jason's team. And so yes. we just did an up all night and like slept in shifts working on our projects. And it was, the presentations were shitty. I had zero uh, attention span and patience for the presentations. Almost got in a fight with the professor because of it. And almost like shat all over other people's projects because of it. Uh, I tried not I to. I don't know how well I was at that. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was just like the experience of staying up all night, like working on this big project. It was so much fun. It was. You guys let me to talk and you let me dumb it down, which was kind of exciting because it was easier for me to explain. Yeah. After, so. those, after those conversations we had that night, like you understood it a lot better than you thought. Yes, I did. Yeah. So... It was interesting because I feel like in our class, there was a lot of people who were like at least at the higher scale, like around where you are, Gavin, in, in knowledge there. So I felt like as one of the more, you know, below guys uh, for knowledge, I would explain, explain it. But there was one thing I was really that I liked doing was talking. So mm-hmm. I, I remember that was my job was to to do most of the talking but in order to do most of the talking i gotta know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah <laughs> so and- the biggest thing for me was just uh both of you explaining uh what i would need to say and that i can do the rest of it yeah and that was that was a really important part too because before that so that was our final presentation before yes. our final presentation we had another presentation it was supposed to be like 10 minutes long or something like that we gave brandon the intro brandon took like eight minutes of the 10 minutes we had on just the intro <laughs> so we, that's what i learned we had to, just, <laughs> we had to quickly talk about the other stuff we're like and here's all the details <laughs> i do apologize that, that that is one of my biggest things is knowing how much time i have because mm-hmm. to me when i'm talking it feels like it's too short but actually it's too long <laughs> yeah so yeah i get that i definitely get that but uh, um because i struggled switching topics like how do you start switching topics how do you move to something else like you have a great conversation about movies and then it doesn't go anywhere or you have a great conversation about music or it doesn't go anywhere but you just go up and you start talking about like what's your favorite color where where does that go and so Ooh. that was something that we learned too. Wait, uh, no, it's orange. Conversations was just. <laughs> Sorry, I just I wanted to derail the conversation out of curiosity, and then I did it. So I'm sorry. It's not. Is your it's favorite orange, color orange, Cammy? Yeah. Um, it's it's bright colors. Technically, I have a a whole thing about colors. Like I I like pastels because they coordinate well. I like high contrast things so like if it's a black surface having some bright like neon color i like that i try to avoid yellows orange orange is generally i tell people that it's orange because you very rarely find a dull orange thing or when people see it they're never going to give you a dull orange thing like if you say red you're going to get a lot of like ombre things um anyway i gotta pause you right there 
uh, unless unless you ended. No, yeah. I'm because sorry. what you did was actually something that we learned and we would play around with a lot. So what I liked about colors is it gives you an opportunity to talk about something that's not as it's not popularly considered benign. Like, ah, tell like, what do you think about music or what do you think about movies? Or did you catch the game last night? Like, it's very stereotypical, like nice weather we're having. Colors was interesting because this is where I really started to learn like how to, how to engage more in a conversation. And so I would start with colors and it'd be like, okay, now you got to talk a little bit about your, now you got to talk a little bit about yourself. So, I would say exactly what you were saying. I was like, oh, like, do you have a favorite color? No, not really. Then I would start saying oh. mine. Like, oh, my favorite color is blue. Because when I think of blue, I think of calmness. I think of, like, the sky and swimming. And actually, one of my favorite things is just lying on my back in a pool, just floating there, looking up blue at the blue. sky. It's just very calming and very relaxing. And that's why blue is my favorite color. And you did the exact same thing with orange. Why you liked orange and how that flows into your emotional opinion of the color. I like how you try to derail the conversation, Cammy, and then Gavin's like, no, 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 I'm going to use this. <laughs> yeah, basically. But no, it, it's it's really good. And it was a good way to connect with people uh, kind of spontaneously because people would hear that and they're like, oh, well, this is actually why I like orange. And then they would go into the same kind of thing that you went into. And so it's really good because people have opinions about things. I mean, think about it. Like we're 30 something, right? Like 31, 32, 33. I am 33 because no, it's on the board. I'm still in my 20s. Are you really? No. There you go. Wow. But that's just and it. Like so you have 33 old. years on this earth of experience and you have thoughts on things you have opinions you have likes you have dislikes i have a lot of opinions i try to keep them to myself a lot of people do they they do try to keep their opinions to themselves but when you open that door it gives them the opportunity to walk through it and that's another thing that i say uh that i would say when i went out and approached people i'd be like oh, i don't want to talk to them because they're gonna slam the door in my face or they're they're gonna say jump off a bridge it's like give them the opportunity to say no that's good. Don't make that assumption. The problem is misplaced assumptions. Okay. So if you have a reason not to talk to somebody, be like, oh, no, I heard that guy's an asshole. Like, don't talk to him. But if you have certain assumptions about things, and you're like, oh, that person's going to think I'm weird, test your assumptions. And it's because we're so afraid to do that that it holds us back. And for some people... That's totally okay. For other people, it's a cage. And that was something that happened for Mitch and I, where we decided, like, no, we want to take control of our own lives and our own social lives. And this is what we need to do to do that. So we had to force ourselves outside of that comfort zone because what we wanted was on the other side of that adversity. And that's not for everybody. That is absolutely not for everybody. But for those that want it. Yeah, I was about to say, how, how bad do you want it, though? And yeah, if you want it, then. <sighs> this is this is why this is why cliff diving was so mm. eye opening for me. 
so I'll tell you, I'll tell you about this place, Fossil Creek. Uh, so we went cliff diving over at Fossil Creek. The reason why I wanted us to go cliff diving is because I would see all these videos of skydiving and it felt freeing just watching, just watching them do that. I was like, holy shit, that is, that is freeing. Cause we went to Fossil Creek and to get to the cliff, to jump off the waterfall at Fossil Creek, you have to boulder up a wall, walk a few yards, shimmy over another wall, yeah, and that's all just ass. to get to the edge. But once you're at the edge, below you, directly below you, is a bush. So you can't just jump off like it's the edge of a diving board. You have to jump a good like three or four feet out. Otherwise, you hit the bush or you hit the rocks below and you get hurt. So this is a situation where you have to say, hell yes, I'm doing it, or no. Because if you're anywhere in between, you're going to get hurt badly. And that's how it is when you're trying to do this kind of uh, motivation or this kind of growth, is you have to make the decision, is this something that I want to do or is this not? Because if you're not sure, you're going to get hurt. You're going to dislike the experience entirely because you got hurt. And you're not going to want to do it ever again. And so all that does is really do you a disservice. Because one, you went through a bad experience that you didn't have to. And two, you now resent that experience uh, because of the bad experience you had gone through. Or resent that process because of the bad experience that you'd gone through. I only hear that stuff in relation to like trauma things. Like I've, I have to untangle a lot of things that's happened in my life trauma related wise, but, but I don't know the, the way you're wording it is weirdly, weirdly familiar. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. It's very similar to, um, a trauma response, like, um, you know, bad stuff happens to you. So you do things to sort of take back that action. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes that's a good thing. And sometimes it's a bad thing, like sleeping with hundreds of people in high school. But, um, yeah, that's, that's the context that I've normally heard that process described. I don't know the way you were describing it. It realized, I realized, oh, that's, that's how they tell you to deal with like the trauma stuff. Well, how people with trauma tell you to deal with it. The psychologists say that's a bad thing, but, um, trying to, trying to claim things back is a good thing, but doing, doing it right, the right way is important. And that, in a trauma scenario, usually you're not doing it the right way or a good way. Cause there's other ways of expressing it. Like instead of going skydiving, um, he could have like played Russian roulette, um, you know, different reactions, but like one's a really bad idea and one's probably going to be fine. So, well, wouldn't habits like, wouldn't it be? So I look at it this way is that like a war, is happening against you. And so you put up defenses, you put up walls. Well, eventually if the war goes away, do the defenses stay? A lot of times, yes. A lot of times the defenses that you have just stay there, even though there's no, there's nothing attacking you now. So, um, and sometimes you, it, it takes people to come along and break down those barriers and make you re, re-look at life again. 
Um, and case in point, it, it's a, it's in a movie, but one of my favorite movies that I love to watch and I've said many times is my favorite is Good Will Hunting. Um, because I love this. It's so beautiful because I'm not even thinking about Will Hunting. I, that wasn't the first uh, Matt Damon's character of how – like we talk about um, – you know, Mitch, you like this movie way too much. Like if you start talking about it, the next like 45 minutes are going to be dedicated to Good Will Hunting. It took us four and a half hours to watch the goddamn movie because he paused it every 10 minutes. Yeah, I don't think it's a good idea. I think we should just stop it there, Mitch, and well, uh, just move well, on. Mitch, we'll have you end your point, but your time boxed. Land the plane. Let's let's get it. I, I want to hear what you have to say because you always have something good to say when it comes to Goodwill Hunting. But you also talk about it a lot. But I, I want to hear this point. Go. My my again, my favorite thing is the. Uh, Matt Damon, his whole thing is he's going through therapy to help, you know, figure out that he has abandonment issues, blah, blah, blah. Well, one thing I loved that the story also shows is that Matt Damon's character helps bleed and or breathe, breathe life back into uh, Robin Williams' character and helps break away some of those barriers so he can remember to how to live life again. It's like, no, 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 dude, like the, and real fast again, I'll keep it short. It's the, uh, the adage of the cards where he says, you know, Hey, you know, yeah, you lost a big hand, but some people have the sack to ante up again. And that's what happens is later on down the road, Robin Williams character says, I'm putting my cards on the table and see what I get. And so therefore it gave him courage to break out of the shell and, and live life again and try again. So that's all I got to say. So dating advice from a transgender woman on TikTok was that she's had to filter through men so much that uh, she said, um, start out your first question with asking truth or dare. Uh, and it doesn't matter how they respond. Uh, you say, I dare you to tell me about the last time you cried or when was the last time you cried? Because it will tell you everything that you need to know about them. Uh, so that you can filter through people faster because as a trans person, you have to go through a lot of people. Uh, and yeah, that's my only good dating advice that has nothing to do with you guys. It's not very useful. Unless you're dating men now, in which case it's pretty useful. Really good way to open up though. What's the, what's the phrase that you used? Was uh, the question was the question was uh one while you start with truth or dare and then you yeah, do sorry oh. I was on mute and I was trying to talk the whole time uh yeah I think the truth or dare thing is interesting but I want to hear Cami what do you think like how does that open somebody up how do you interpret the results what does that tell you about a person oh for the uh yeah. question um I haven't tried it, but I know a couple of people who have, um, and it very quickly tells you, like if they respond with, um, not since I was a kid or something, uh, they're not very connected with their emotions and they're probably going to get aggressive. Um, if they're talking about, um, uh, some big life event, they, they probably are afraid to show emotions, but at least they have them. Because you have to judge a lot of people based on like their empathy levels, mm -hmm. uh, in order to like make sure you don't get killed. 
So that's uh, the second level. And the third one would be when they just like straight out tell you like, oh, it was really recently. It was over this stupid thing that happened to me. And you're like, okay, well, they really know really in tune with themselves there because what you don't want is a guy who doesn't know what he wants and so they have to be emotional before they can have that so actually i really like that kemi because uh, I, like I was i'm the third i like the, i'm the third guy because they're like when was the last time you cried it's like oh two days ago in the car what were you crying about it's like oh it was just actually it was a really happy cry i was just really really happy well, people will also give you a lot of information about them in answering that question Great. that you can also use. Great. So it gets good, more specific, but that's generally what you're looking for. It's really good, though. Yeah, it's, it's good. I like that. Here's something that I wanted to bring up, uh, Gavin, that I got from some, not even from us, it was from a talk, but I see how we could use it. Just kind of like how I saw the, it's a couple talks ago, but it was one, I think it was one of your podcasts. It was literally about a month ago or six weeks ago timeline doesn't matter but uh how you how you, the girl that you listened to uh and how she would walk through the club and how she would pick out the, her points of interest of who she wanted to yeah, talk Juanita. to yeah yeah that yeah. was really that was a really cool that was genius just you helped me frame it in the way i loved that gavin i never even thought of it that way man of the all the all the years that we went out and all the fucking people we talked to, I have never framed it that way i never framed it as give them the option of saying no to you I love that. I never thought of it that way. Or it's like, you know, get, this is starting to make you sound bad. Huh? I'm sorry. Like, I just would, I'm just curious about people and I'd walk up to people and say hi. Like, I never thought about, like, just thinking about, like, oh, give them the option to say no. I never thought about it that way. It, like, it's very inviting when you, when you kind of logically just put it that way. It's like, yeah, give them the option to say no. I guess I've always given them that, yeah. Hey, you don't want to talk to me? Okay. Maybe, I, maybe innately I have it that way, but I just never thought of it, put it in that words before. It's like, yeah, give them the option. Hi, how's it going? Go fuck yourself. Oh, okay. It also works really well for uh, <clears throat> like jobs. Mm -hmm. so, so this is the thing with like interpersonal relationships is it cascades throughout your entire life. So not only does it work for dating, but it also works for like job hunting. It also works for friendships, like family things. Oh, Job hunting, so many people feel bad at, uh, they, they feel like they're bad at selling themselves and promoting themselves. And so what they do is they'll just hold on and say, like, yeah. I'm not even going to apply to that job. I'm not qualified. They don't want me. And it's like, look, the worst thing they could possibly say is no. Like, they're not going to say no. They're going to send an email saying no. It's like they send an email. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they never called. You never hear them from again. Yeah. That's another way. Yeah. You like, got that right. no. They call that ghosting. Yeah. <laughs> In the professional world, we call that ghosting. <laughs> Was that a professional term? No. I hear that everywhere. <laughs> no, not, not, not technically a professional term, but it's totally a thing. What are you? If you're a professional dater in the LGBT community, like if you're a lesbian in the LGBT community, then I think you could be considered a professional because like most of your relationships involve moving in the first week yeah. and end in about six months and you're like going through two or three relationships a year. Second date for a lesbian's getting a U-Haul. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit stereotypical, but it's also really true. There's actually studies now showing that women move a lot faster in relationships. Yep. They call it the urge to merge in psychology. But yeah, so they're, they're professionals and they definitely use the term ghosting. So I would say it's a professional. 
Thanks for joining us tonight. We had a lot of fun. We'll see you next week.